podcast. A podcast designed to fill your passenger seat with chat about classic cars, all recorded from my 1968 Morris Minor Peggy. I'm Becca and this week I'm taking Peggy for a little evening drive. I've done a few bits and pieces on her today and I wanted to just see how those worked out. So I thought I would bring you guys along with me for that and share a few funny stories from my family's classic car ownership. Today's quirk of classic car ownership that I wanted to share with you is just how much owning a classic car can mean you can do yourself with your car. I drove modern cars for a few years before this as a named driver and while it certainly was something that my dad with his experience with cars felt confident playing about with, I certainly didn't feel as confident getting involved as I do now with Peggy. Like I said, we did a few bits and pieces to her today, um, took a door panel off to try and deal with a little rattle, uh, changed some of the bits and pieces around the door to try and make her doors more secure. And they seem to all have all gone really quite well and I'm really pleased with how they've turned out. I helped my dad not that long ago with a few bits and pieces when it came to giving her a service. I'm not really that mechanically minded, but with a classic car, there's especially one as simply put together as a Morris Minor with so much space in the main bay, there's really quite a lot that you can do for yourself. And it's made me more confident with dealing with other bits and pieces on modern cars, such as my partner's Fiat. Uh, stories of classic car ownership that I've got for you today. You might be able to tell from the story, uh, from the title of today's episode that they're primarily focusing around the selling of your classic cars. Now when it comes to selling a classic car, things have certainly got quite a lot easier in recent years. There's a lot of opportunity to advertise your cars online, get instant responses from sellers, from potential buyers and really to have a turnaround on the purchase of your classic car or the sale of your previous one. But before that it was really very reliant on advertisements in magazines which some people still use and contacting via letter and phone calls and things like that. And that is the period where a lot of these stories take place. So we're going to start with uh, a story that I like to tell quite frequently, actually about the car that I came home from hospital in that I mentioned in last week's podcast. Uh, that's AGO, the automatic 1969 Singer Vogue. My parents had owned that, they think, from about the mid-1990s and I came home from hospital when I was born in it in 1997. Now, being an automatic, 
it is quite a useful vintage classic car to some people who struggle with the gear changes and that is really where that story begins. My dad was very good friends with a gentleman who knew a lady who was looking for an automatic singer who really wanted to stay on the scene but was struggling with those gear changes. So my dad spoke to his friend and his friend said, I've sold your car. And my dad says, well, it's not for sale. His friend said, yes, I know, but I've sold your car. There's a lady who's really desperate for an automatic and it'd be really good if she could stay on the scene. So I've sold your car. So my dad said, right, okay, well, it wasn't for sale, but what, what's the details? Well, not only have I sold your car, but you also need to change the front two wings and get them repainted. So, feeling, I guess, a little bit trapped and also keen to keep people in the classic car scene, my dad sold his car to this lady after having changed the front two wings and uh, re-sprayed it. And it's actually a car that we've seen come up for sale a few times since then. We don't believe that she kept hold of it for all that long, but it did give my parents the opportunity to try out a few other cars. Now, as I mentioned last week, my dad owned CMT from the mid-80s, uh, buying it just after he came back from the Falklands in around 1984. He bought it and used it as a daily driver for a good few years um, and then purchased some other, I guess, more practical cars um, and CMT became a bit more of a show car. CMT unfortunately was a two-seater though, uh, very stylish and fun for my mum and dad to go around to the shows in, but when I came along there was a need to sell it because there wasn't a space for a child to uh, sit in it and as I said last week there's no way that my mum was letting my dad sit a baby on the parcel shelf. So my dad advertised CMT for sale and he received a response from a gentleman who came over and viewed the car, was very happy with the car and so left a deposit and said that he would be back with the rest of the money and to collect the car uh, soon. My dad asked if he would like a receipt for the deposit and uh, the gentleman said that he was fine so there was no receipt given and the gentleman left. A few months down the line my dad was going uh, back to the Falklands with the RAF and he contacted the man and said I'm going away for six months if you need the car you're going to need to come and get it before the six months because we haven't heard from you and while I'm out of the country you won't be able to come and get the car. So on that basis the gentleman and his friend turned up this time, they both had a go at driving the car, they handed over some more money, again did not want a receipt for that money 
and then um, said, here's some more money, we still want the car, but we can't collect now, can you keep hold of it and we'll come and collect it sometime when you're back from your trip. So, Dad goes off to the Falklands and comes back and obviously CMT is still technically within our possession. We're not really using it obviously because it, we're, we're selling it to this gentleman and I can't go anywhere in it so it's just kind of sitting there. Um, some more time passes and there's talk of my dad moving, uh, being posted with the Air Force and also we're starting to have issues with the storage as we've purchased Nelly by this point and we want to be able to store some of our other cars more securely. So my dad contacts the gentleman again and he turns up with a, another bag of money and uh, he's unsure kind of how much he's paid. So my parents kind of work out what they think he's paid and he works out what he thinks he's paid and his estimate is a lot lower than the estimate that my parents make. So they come to an agreement that, that he will pay the higher amount uh, because of the inconvenience, because of the, the storage and things like that. So he hands over one final bag of money. Again, if he'd taken the receipts that were offered in the first place, he perhaps would not have had those issues. takes the car saying it's going to Italy and we never hear of it again which is really kind of sad because the car was really a very special part of our family and we'd love to see and hear about what happened to it. Uh, I've probably included some photos of it within the YouTube version of this so if you do know unfortunately because it went to Italy the likelihood is that it doesn't have the same number plates and things like that but if you recognize the car or recognize this hugely bizarre story where it took pretty much two years for my parents to sell a car then I would love to hear from you guys about that because it's really such a fascinating story of a car being sold and really taking such a long time to, to leave. There's some great photos of me uh, enjoying the car in that brief period while we still owned it. My dad tried to keep it maintained and keep it looked after so that when it did go, it would go just as well as he had always known it to. two very interesting experiences with selling a car my parents actually <laughs> decided the next time that they came to try and sell a second uh, a vintage car they wouldn't um, the Morris Minor that they owned for a very brief period comparatively but it was taken to a few shows and I certainly enjoyed clambering about in it wasn't really a car that they could keep for a particularly long time 
due to the fact that I didn't, uh, my mum couldn't drive it comfortably. So they sought out uh, an opportunity to find another car. So they were searching online, well, searching via letters and advertisements, not online in this period. And they managed to find a Viley Elf. And at the bottom of the Viley Elf, there was a notice that said, what do you have? So my dad got in contact with the guy that was selling it. He drove down to meet them. They both exchanged keys and went for a drive. Were really quite happy with uh, both of the cars. So they swapped keys more permanently and exchanged the logbooks and a deal was done. Uh, much more simple and straightforward and a really interesting way of getting hold of a classic car as far as I'm concerned. I'd love to hear some of your examples of classic car sales that have been interesting or quirky. It's certainly a very interesting market. I know that going around and trying cars myself it was a very unique experience compared to searching on Auto Trader and checking out what's available in terms of modern cars and going to a car supermarket. I'd love to also hear if you've got advice for people who are selling their classic cars. It'd be really interesting to hear those. I think we've certainly got it a lot easier nowadays with the use of technology and being able to contact people that way. The idea that so much of that transaction that took so long for my parents was done via phone calls and letters and things like that just really makes the story even more interesting now we think about it and it certainly makes sense why my dad brings it out at so many car shows for people. Um, and when I asked to hear the story in a lot more detail to be able to recount it to you guys, my mum rolled her eyes because she'd heard it so many times before. But hopefully you've enjoyed those stories and I look forward to uh, seeing your comments in the bottom. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you all next week. Keep set, Happy driving and safe motoring.